1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Bro History. It's Henry Zamota and Danny Abdel-Jabbar. What's up, Danny? How are you?
0: Chilling, man. As per usual. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. As you can probably
1: tell that I have lost my voice again, but the show must go on and we're just going to push right through. Sounds good. Uh, before, Before we get started on today's show, we have a friendly reminder for you. And that friendly reminder is that You need to fill out the fucking form in the show notes. (laughs) You need to fill out the survey, the Survey Monkey survey, which you can find in our show notes. So please do that. It takes about two minutes. And uh, once you're done, you put your email in and then you have an opportunity to win $500 in Amazon cash, which I think is a pretty big deal if you
0: ask me. Cold, hard Amazon cash. It's worth more than- Cold, hard
1: Amazon cash.
0: Some currency. Think of all the, think of all the,
1: what's the last thing I bought on Amazon? Ant traps
0: you can purchase. (laughs) I bought crest white strips. Think about how many of those you can buy with 500 smackaroos. Think about all the crest
1: white strips that you can purchase. Thinking think about, about all, the, yeah, just, just think about it. That'd be enough for your supply. But yeah, uh, do it. It really does help us out. Uh, the Survey Monkey survey in the show notes. So please fill that out when you have a moment. Um, okay, Danny, are you ready to start this episode?
0: Yeah, let's get right into it.
1: So basically, we're talking about this, you know, a country that most people haven't heard of before. And uh, we really wanted to bring it to a lot of people's attention because we talk about it with each other and everyone thinks that we're crazy. And um, you know, that, that country is is, uh, is Gorkistan. Uh, Gorkistan has been kind of a passion for, for us for a long time. It's, it's kind of like both of our, uh, you know, one of our kind of weird little history niches, but mm-hmm. it's a really important country and most people haven't heard of it. So I think on today's episode, we're just gonna kind of do a general overview of the history there. You know, the modern political t- context of, of, of Gorkistan, because it, it really is important and it's a, it's a geopolitical or potential geopolitical hotspot in today. So we're going to start off by going through the history behind Gorkistan from its ancient roots, and then we're going to bring that all the way back to its modern day Gorkistan. And uh, some of you may, you know, if you listened to last to our last episode, you you may have heard us talking about Gorkistan in passing. Um, if you haven't, you know, you can you can listen to that last episode. But today we're going to explore Gorkistan um, and, and give you more context. So just to kind of paint the vision of where Gorkistan is located in the world, it's it's a country nestled in Central Asia's mountainous region. Um, so it's, it's next to Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan is actually to its north, Uzbekistan is to Gorkistan's west, uh, Tajikistan is to its south, and then it has a one of the longest mile, uh, longest borders with China in the entire world. So, right. um, the, the border with China is about, uh, around 2000 kilometers or so, um, whatever that is in miles. I think it's something around like 1200 miles, right, Danny? I'm not really good with the conversion.
0: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I actually had to look it up. It's, it, it's, you know, metric to, to, to miles is a little difficult, but I, I forget exactly how long it is. It's just like a strangely shaped border. So, and also there's a lot of territory disputes. So it really just depends on who you're asking. If you're asking the Gorgasani people, it's like 500 million miles or something like that, you know, because of course they claim everything, but I'll leave that for later.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a kind of a, a, a topic, a, ge- a geopolitical topic that comes up from time to time with, with China's belt and road initiative. Um, you know, the, the long border that Gorkistan has with China and, you know, there are other central, uh, Asian neighbors like Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and Tajikistan, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's managing China and, and Russia at the same time is one of their big political strategies or, or challenges. Um, often they, they, they use Russia as a leverage to, uh, to, uh, get things from China. Um, right. you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have, uh, you know, the Russians kind of mitigate different business deals they'll have with China, but we're going to get too far off track. I think we need to go through some of the, some of the basic economic things. So, um, Gorkistan it's, it's got natural resources. So it's, it's a re it's a resource rich country. Um, it has oil, it has natural gas, but, um, it suffers through a lot of political instability and corruption. And uh, it's been that way since they became independent from, from the Soviet Union in 1991. Um, the, the, the population of Gorkistan is split between ethnic Gorkans who speak Gorky, which is a, which is a Turkic, uh, Turco-Altaic language. Um, and then it has some influences from, from Persian and also some influences from Russian. And then there's, um, there's um, a big majority that the, the country, no one really knows the, the actual demographics in terms of uh, percentages because there hasn't been a consensus form or a census form um, or survey, census survey uh, filled out since the, the fall of the Soviet Union. But we have a mix of Russian speakers, uh, Uzbeks, Kazakhs, and Bukharan Jews. So it's it's kind of split, you know, predominantly uh, Gorkins, but then there's there's um they're they're sort of like the plurality. Um right. there's, there's a high percentage of of Russians, Uzbeks, Kazakhs and, and Bukharan Jews, and, and Bukharan. Russian Jews
0: speakers is, are Russian speakers are definitely like a, a a majority minority in that respect, though I think
1: yeah, Russian speakers are around like twenty percent of the country or so, and then Uzbeks mm-hmm. and Kazakhs um, you know, make up another another twenty percent, and and then uh, Bukharan Jews are like. Um, you know, around five percent of the country or so, but the ADL Bukharan Jews are actually discriminated against a lot in Gorkistan. Right. Um, so a lot of them have left the country. It's uh, the the ADL has um has put Gorkistan on top of their list of most anti-Semitic countries. Right. So um, a lot of a lot of the uh, you know the Jews of of Gorkistan have already have already left, and there's a long, sad history of of anti-Semitism in in Gorkistan. Right. We'll get
0: into that now, later, though.
1: Yeah, well, well, we'll touch on that that later, and when we get into the history, um, the the, pre- the system of government in Gorkistan is a, is a presidential system of government, with um you know with with a directly elected president who serves as both head of state and then also head of government, and the current pre- president is named Vasily Krushkin, and he's um he's actually a Russian speaker. He's he's ethnic Gorkin, so he was born in Gorkistan and. You know, he says he has uh, uh, Gork- Gorkin blood and, you know, he, he, he speaks Gorkin as well. There's the there's scandals about him not actually being, um, or or at least um, his family, you know, not being officially, you know, um, Gorkin enough. But, right. you know, he, he speaks Gorkin fluently at this point and he, he's been head of state since 2005. So he's been president for about almost almost uh, 2 decades at this point. He's the son of former Communist Party boss Nikolai Krushkin who was uh Gorbachev's minister of snacks and beverages.
0: I think that's a weird translation. <laughs> Is that it's like a weird, weird translation?
1: I I can't I'm really bad at uh, I can't really, you know, I can't pronounce English really well and and, and trying to uh Decipher the the, the Gorkin uh, language right here. It's kind of difficult, but it comes. I put it in Google Translate, and he was <laughs> the minister of snacks and beverages for uh, for the Soviet Union in the 1980s under under Gorbachev. So um, after after the Soviet Union fell, um, Nikolai Krushkin he. He, he basically signed, you know, he, he was part of the meetings when when Ukraine and Belarus uh, officially split. Um, he, he was in that meeting as well. It was a follow-up meeting. No, he wasn't in that meeting. And, and then um, Gorkistan was given its independence. But uh, Nikolai Krushkin was a brutal autocrat. He he, he still, he, he um, was one of the one countries, and, and maybe you can give this to his credit, who kind of resisted um, Western liberalism, the, the liberalization of the economy. So there was no shock therapy that took place in Gorkistan mm-hmm. in the 1990s. Uh, Gorkistan, um, had still had a state-ran economy where the, the, the Gorkistan government had complete control over the, you know, the, the, Pretty much the the large industries like the natural gas and the oil industry and all the any of their machinery industries, industries. Industries. mm -hmm. yeah, all the agricultural industries were all ran uh, top down from from uh, the government down. But uh, Khrushchev he died in two thousand five, and there's actually a lot of controversy over his death. There, we, we you actually have conflicting reports of how he died, right? So it gives a lot of people um, suspicion. You know, a lot of people are suspicious that he may have um, or could have. You know, it could have been something more nefarious. Uh, one of the reasons, and, and I think the most uh, popular one, is that he died in Spain while attending the running of the bulls ceremony.
0: And that's actually true. He he was in Spain when he died, but he was in Spain. But I think. But I think that uh, the. the, the <laughs> It's, it's hard to tell exactly because first and foremost, they the, the Secret Service, the Gorkin Secret Service, like immediately took control of the body, didn't do like autopsies. There was like a lot of covering up to go through. A lot of people suspect he was assassinated um, with like polonium or something like that. Um,
1: well, the other but- the other uh, story I've read is that he didn't he didn't die in Running of the Bulls. He was on a he was on a hammock and then the hammock twisted around. And then he smothered to death while he was in the hammock while it was twisting around.
0: Like he basically like got hung kind of in hammock.
1: In a hammock while he was lounging. So that's the, that's the, um, you know, one of the other ones. And and there's foul play that comes with that as well. Like, you know, some people have said that maybe he was smothered to death. Some people say it was like the FSB, you know, some people of course say it's CIA, you know, who knows, who, 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 who knows, but. You know, I don't there's think a colonial story they, as well. Nobody's going to yeah, know because no, they
0: didn't allow a fucking autopsy.
1: Yeah, they didn't allow an autopsy. So those are all just rumors. We don't we don't actually know the cause of death for, for uh, the former uh, president and former minister of snacks and beverages of the Soviet Union. We don't know exactly how he died, but I think we both suspect foul play at this point.
0: Yeah. Now,
1: sure. after he was assassinated, after Nikolai Khrushchev was assassinated, or allegedly assassinated, excuse me. All right. We don't know. His son, Vasily Khrushchev, became president. And um, he's been president since 2005. His first election, he won 119% of the vote.
0: <laughs> Which is just. And- like topping every dictator we've ever covered on this channel like wow that's not just even, to give you a, doesn't even make sense
1: <laughs> yeah they give you they give you a sense so he had about uh, 17 million total votes and the population of Gorkistan is 15 million right so um, I'm not sure if that math is right or not but he, he had more votes than people in the country
0: right. And, and they, um, they accepted you know, it.
1: <laughs> they, they accepted it, and you know it's their own. It's their own country. It's you know he was he was uh, there was a peaceful transition of power between fa- between father and son. <laughs> now, um, you know the West has kind of said that you know the election was a fraud. Maybe it was a fraud. We don't know exactly. You know was, we I mean, we've there seen higher percentages going before. on. <laughs> you know, but, but here's the thing. So when, when Vasily Krushkin took power from his father, he, he started taking steps to liberalize the economy. And, um, you know, he started, um, opening up industries to venture capital and, um, you know, people, they started getting more funding from the West and, and, um, there, there was a modernization of the economy and the standard of living throughout Gorkistan had actually approved, uh, improved a lot from, from the early 1990s. And um, he, he became popular. And um, you know, Vasily Krushkin had this reputation of being a reformer and more of a liberal because he was also a medical doctor. Um, he was a uh, practicing andrologist. And, and what so, exactly
0: is an andrologist again, Henry?
1: an andro... It's like a urologist, you know, it's a doctor for the uh, male genitalia. So... So he was a penis you know, doctor. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a penis doctor, but we all need <laughs> penis doctors. So um he... Everyone thought he was going to be this big reformer and he uh, kind of failed because there's still the secret, the, the Gorkins people's secret police. There's still... um you know, there's still kind of like these show trials. He puts political opponents in jail. Um, he puts journalists in jail. There's this famous YouTuber that he that he had, um, you know, uh, thrown out of a window allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of scandals and and uh, you know some might be fake though. You never know. You no, know, seems like there's too much bad stuff. And of course, he's been accused of you know gassing his own people before. So we don't we don't know the truth. We do know that you know we're happier living in America than living in Gorkistan. That's for sure. Now, uh, just to, I don't want to get too stuck on on vastly Khrushchev. Just trying to give you the the modern political environment. Um, the Gorkin people are known for being very proud and very resilient because they live in the rough hills of Gorkistan the very rugged hills for centuries where they developed this communal and uh, uh, loyal to their family and tribes sense of culture. So the Gorkas are great farmers and they're great herders and they have a deep understanding of the land and its natural cycles. So they grow crops they, they, uh, you know, they grow wheat, they grow barley, they grow beans, they raise sheep, they also raise goats for wool. They produce milk and meat. They're they're actually the largest exporter of vitamin D. Vitamin D, vitamin D. They're the world's largest exporter of vitamin D. That's,
0: that's and, fascinating. Uh,
1: and also one of the world's largest exporters of barley. So um, Gorkas, you know, they, they should be known as a people who are skilled in artisanship. Um, they create beautiful textiles and pottery, and in uh, jewelry using you know local materials in Gorkistani mm-hmm. mountains. It's um it's quite fascinating. I actually was traveling, and um you know I saw this this um. This, this gorky necklace with, with these little these little uh, green pebbles and they were they were crafted. Um, each one looked like you know one of the indigenous tribes people. Um, they actually had that made this in a necklace. Um, mm-hmm. just, just to give you an idea these, we're talking about working with millimeters right here. okay um, they're, they're, they're such they're, their craftsmanship is so is so I- incredible that it will blow your mind and um when it comes to um the culture the Gorkins they they love their music and they love dance they're big fans of the Dombra and the Dombra is a stringed instrument that's you know what exactly is a Dombra again it's like a, one of those uh it's like a guitars like, with three strings or whatever.
0: It's like a like a lute or some shit like that. It's a you know. Let me pull up a picture of it. Images. It's like a yeah, shitty it, guitar, right? It's it's a lute. You know, it's like a it's a I don't know. Looks like a, one of those old timey things that a bard would use, except Central Asian version. Dombra. Instrument
1: you know it's like oh yeah uh, yeah it looks like a shitty guitar so they're great
0: with the Dombra (laughs) they they actually have some some pretty dope like Gorkin metal bands that incorporate like Dombra like they shred on the Dombra it's actually pretty cool I listen to that shit yeah Gork
1: metal yep or you know like kind of you know Gork metal which is um which is really popular popular in Norway Mm -hmm. Um, i mean every metal is popular in norway but (laughs) but yeah it's it's getting pretty big yeah uh so so where was i so yeah they love storytelling and uh, they have this you know their history has been told because they didn't start um i believe they didn't start you know passing down writing or maybe you can correct me on this part of their history Mm. because i know you've done more research into their into their um their ancient history, their, their their literacy didn't really start until like 1907 or something like that. It's a new phenomenon, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think they, I don't think that they ever had a written language. Uh, they would use other people's languages. They still in the don't have a written language. Well, I mean, I think there's like a, a bit of a revitalization of their culture where they're actually trying to uh, like apply Cyrillic uh, alphabet to their language, but their language is mostly a spoken language. It's part, like part of their culture and tradition, which, which is what makes like speaking Gorkin really difficult. Right. Um, and spelling. It's what it makes
1: research on, the, on Gorkin history really difficult as well. Right. I think it's because it's, it's the reason why most people haven't heard of the Gorkham civilization is because right, you can't find just, it on Google.
0: Yeah. They didn't write, they didn't write it down. I mean, I, I did shit tons of Googling for Gorkistan for this episode and it's just like, Few and far between. There's almost no articles out there. We you check, but Yeah, seriously, try it. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like I said, a lot of this has to do with their with their ancient customs and 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 stuff like that. And I wanted to talk a little bit about their ancient civilizations because we've done a bunch of episodes about like the rise of nation states, and and usually we start off with like some ancient stuff. And I, I found some of the things that I did find, and it's usually from like other sources so like we we hear and read about the gorkum civilization which was their their ancient civilization uh like through third parties through other uh civilizations that might have written about them there's not a lot there's like two 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 specific stories anyway um so the ancient gorkum civilization um you know it was it was all about barley and laughter and that's that's you know for the for the most part it comes from their creation myth Um the the laughter part of it was seen as a way to strengthen social bonds and create harmony, but it kind of got in the way a little bit. But I'll talk about that in a second. So they had this creation myth, just like pretty much every ancient civilization has. And the story goes, there's this god called Cuckoo's. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. I don't know. Cuckoo's. Uh, and he's the god of barley and laughter. And apparently, he makes the universe uh, when he bit into a spicy cosmic pepper and then sneezed. And a bunch of cosmic dust went everywhere and created the universe. And after that settled, Kukuru's noticed that there was a bunch of barley growing from fertile ground. And he laughed at it in delight. And basically, his laughter gave life to people, animals, and other plants. And so, the Gorkum people believed that honoring Kukuru's with laughter would lead to a great harvest and a good life so they like laughing it's like a part of their culture which i think is kind of cool um but uh you know just like a lot of the other you know places that we talked about you know gorkum leaders uh and kings at the time claimed that they were they had a direct connection to kookaroos saying that their kings were descended from them um but obviously that's like a lot of the nation states we've covered in the past you know Think like Japan as an example, right? Um, and and this this like divine connection is is used primarily to justify their their rule and keep order in their society. And, and the kings would often wear these golden barley crowns as a symbol of that like connection to the to kukuroos. The uh, the Gorkin civilization they had some cities and and they're primarily built around these huge barley fields. And, uh, you know, they would use the, the barley stalks to make walls and, and barley straw to, to build homes. And, and they, I mean, they were pretty big into barley, like all things barley. They used it for textiles, oil lamps, and even some like not so effective weapons, believe it or not.
1: Now, this is crazy because we know how how um, great at craftsmanship the, the Gorkin people are. So how
0: exactly did they use barley? as a weapon you know i actually couldn't find any information that specifies like what did they look like or what is a barley weapon but i'm gonna assume that it was like either iron or stone weapons with like i don't know barley hand grips or something like that like i think it was just regular weapons that was adorned with barley but you know there were good crafts people and they were good at like pottery and metallurgy but uh, from what i've read their their weapons were like inferior to, to comparable like civilizations around them, which will come into play in a minute here. Um, so they're, they're really good at irrigation. And this is actually one thing that, that I will give them a lot of credit to. They had some pretty advanced water systems for their crops, uh, and their cities were all linked by trade routes. Which helped them exchange stuff and ideas with nearby civilizations so so like in my mo- in the contemporary sense right the, the the modern chinese belt and road initiative really goes along with this idea of this ancient gorkum civilization because they were kind of an in the you know they were on the silk road they were right there um but uh you know the gorkums generally got along with their neighbors um you know a lot of them write about their sense of humor and like you know barley products um but Sometimes the their belief in, in barley, and, and very specifically laughter, causes issues with kind of some more aggressive entities, and it, played, it actually played a part in their decline. So the Gorkum civilization had, at the time, a pretty good trading relationship with the Scythians, or Scythians, I forget exactly how we pronounced that in the last episode that we did. Is it Scythian or Scythian?
1: i think it's either or i okay. i say scythian but i think it's i think it might be Scythian.
0: all right well i'll well, I'll, I'll bounce back and forth anyway so they, they were trading with the Scythians. the Scythians were steppe people that were also in that area at that time right um real big real big uh, uh um uh, range that they had but they were swapping barley for for valuable products basically but then uh, as the story goes um some the the a Scythian delegation, like a trade delegation, came for a trade talk in one of the Gorkhan cities, and the Gorkhan people laughed at the Scythians, and they were doing so like as a friendly gesture, but the, it, like, it got lost in translation, and so the Scythians got super offended by it, and that misunderstanding led to the Scythians invading the Gorkhan civilization. Now, I read that the Gorkhan people put up some pretty weak defenses. Again, maybe it had something to do with their barley weapons I have no idea but you know the story goes that that they thought that their laughter would save them I'm not so sure that this part is accurate this sounds more like it was written by the victors um but I don't know maybe could be true um evidently they built like barley stock walls to prevent the scythians from coming through but they just tore through them and here's a weird piece of history that I can't verify because it it basically comes from the modern-day Gorkastani cultural archives, but it's a funny story, so I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, so people generally credit Dionysus the Elder of Syracuse with inventing the catapult around 400 BCE, but apparently he got the idea from the battle between Scythians and Gorkum. So in that battle, evidently, a large boulder falls off a cliff and landed on a Gorkum chariot, and it flung a commander, the Gorkum commander, through the air, which killed him and allegedly three Scythian warriors. And that's what gave Dionysus the idea for the catapult. Very think interesting. Do you think that's real? <laughs> I don't know. I find it fascinating. I don't know.
1: Sometimes stories told from one generation to another can get lost in translation, but I choose to believe this one.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Here's another weird one. It's, this one's actually probably disprovable with science, but I'm not going to go that far because I am not an astronomer. Anyway, the the like final battle between Gorkum and the Scythians it evidently happened during a solar eclipse, and so the story goes that the Gorkum people thought it was a sign from Cuckoros and started laughing and cheering, and they were so caught up in the in the um, solar eclipse that they didn't see the Scythians sneaking up on them, basically flanking them and you know the scythians took advantage of it and easily beat them and yeah that's how the story goes evidently
1: it just sounds like an excuse for losing
0: yep <laughs> probably anyway um so after the gorkham civilization fell the scythians either killed or scattered the gorkham people and this kicked off a period of the gorkham diaspora where a bunch of gorka people uh, basically try to keep their culture alive while living with their conquerors. And, you know, they were spread across Central Asia. You know, they were under Scythian rule for a period. Uh, they, you know, became farmers and entertainers. And, you know, b- but despite all that shit, they they try to keep their culture alive through their oral tradition, through music, through dance and, and, and different storytelling.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? So we did an episode on on Scythians a while back. Um, wasn't it in question whether the Scythians were actually a unified civilization or more like just random horde step people?
0: Yeah, that's actually a really great point. Um, honestly, the same could probably be said about the ancient Gorkan people. Uh, they may have just been Scythians or nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I don't want to like offend any modern Gorkusnani people or anything like that but it is yeah, a fair um it's a fair point
1: i i think we should be culturally sensitive to uh the gorkistani people yeah but um yeah i i mean there, there is you know kind of that revisionist history that just says that there were there, there's no such thing as gorkistan um there's mm-hmm. no such thing as a gorky person right they were just there are just the people of the steppe in central asia right who converted the christianity right and that's and, that, and that's basically kind of like the story that that uh, a lot of revisionist will 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 often say
0: right so speaking of Christianity that that actually ended up occurring around the 9th and 10th centuries when Orthodox Christianity started spreading through the region and the Gorka people uh, who at the time were living in different Central Asian territories got uh, exposed to that religion and and at first they were pretty hesitant to convert because they were really attached to the old beliefs and customs but eventually they end up finding a way to blend their you know unique culture with christianity which created kind of like a mix of old and new traditions so the the one the one notable one you might see it on top of like um or, orthodox like like Gorkistani orthodox ch- churches is the barley cross which is basically just a cross made of barley um and it's supposed to be like a symbol of kukuru's, and it became like a really big part of gorkan christianity you know, it's just—it's a way to make a connection between their old God and the new God. It's kind of like how um, how like Christmas trees were like originally a pagan thing. Did you know that?
1: Well, yeah, and and um, you know the the Christmas is on the winter solstice. So it's been a right. holiday and, and
0: pagan traditions for a long time. Right. Exactly. So basically, they're just including a bunch of old Gorkin like religion into Christian, artwork and rituals and stuff like that. And, and they keep up this storytelling tradition and, and now they focus on obviously Christian saints and biblical figures, but you know, they add a lot of this like Gorka humor and cultural stuff to the stories and it makes it kind of like a unique Christian folklore that I think it really speaks to the Gorkan people and their culture, but, but that's the ancient stuff. Um, Maybe we can skip ahead and and talk a little bit about the uh, more modern history.
1: Yeah, and and one thing to add is is um the the, we kind of a weird fact, but one of the only places in Central Asia that Genghis Khan didn't conquer was uh was was the territory that's now modern day Gorkistan because he couldn't find it on a map. Right. Which is which is you know it's it's such a it's such a you know point. Of um, you know flat open you know that has mountains but also the flat open step you'd think that would be one of the first places that they would conquer but they they just couldn't find it on the map yep, now they just went right around it <laughs> they just they just went around right, right around it so let's yeah let's speed up because you know there's that middle age period um, you know there's Not that a whole age lot going old debate on there. yeah. There's that old age old debate about Gorkistan is whether it's considered a European country or an Asian country. And, you mm-hmm. know, it is, it is, it's up to debate. You know, they are, um, you know, east of, uh, what are they east of again? They're south, they're north of Kazakhstan. East of, south Kazakhstan. of Kazakhstan. No, no, east of they're Kazakhstan. East, they're east of Kazakhstan, but there's still that debate on whether they're a European country or not. Right, right. Um, you know, there's you know, there's always been those kind of rumors that Gorkistan might be part of the EU, but maybe well, maybe we'll talk about that later. Right, um, NATO so,
0: expansion for the win, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, NATO expansion. So, I mean, there's been rumors about that too, and and right. um, you know, we don't think it's going to happen, but it would be definitely a provocation. Mm-hmm. Now, during the late 18th century nationalism and really the impact of the French Revolution, it sparked an interest in Gorka culture. And uh, it really identified among the scattered diaspora of all the people who were, who were misplaced from, from Gorkistan by the Scythians. Many of these Gorkans they started dreaming of this unified Gorka nation, but they had a tough time getting to it because, you know, there's a lack of political cohesion among the diaspora. They're not all in one place. So, um, and then there's like kind of that loss in tradition to some degree. It's like, right. who is Gorka? Who is a Gorkistani? Right. What is the Gorka? What does the Gorkistani language even sound like at this point? We don't even mm-hmm. know.
0: I mean, it had fractured so, into multiple dialects by that point yeah, it
1: fractured into multiple dialects at this point. So um, this is where you see kind of like the modern construct of Gorkistan created. It's in the mid 19th century. and this is Gorka nationalists who are who are living in present-day Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. They managed to establish an autonomous region called Gorkia. So Gorkia or uh, better known as the Glorious Autonomous Regional Territory of Unified Gorkha. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> but, um, you know, things got a little weird in the late, in the late 19th and early 20th century. Uh, you know, Gorkha tried to get in on the European alliance system, and they made separate alliances with the Russian Empire, the Germans, and the Ottomans. Because, uh, But these alliances didn't really make a lot of sense, because a lot of them actually contradicted each other. Right. So for example, they they signed a mutual defense pact with the Russian Empire that uh wouldn't really have done anything to help either country. Um the the defense pact was known as the the Indivisible Friendship Treaty. And the treaty stipulated that if either party were attacked, the other one would come to their aid, which was a really bad move for the Russians when you think about it because <laughs> right. like why would they want that extra protectorate?
0: Yeah, um, I don't
1: know. <laughs> you know, the Gork Gorkistan is like not even like really a country at this point. It's you know, it's low population. Time, why would region. they Why would they stretch themselves out so thinly? One of the reasons why the Russian Revolution happened, really,
0: <laughs> I think um, so. Yeah, they're,
1: they're, you know, that was one of the key things that Lenin had actually stated was that you know these endeavors into places like Gorkistan and these packs and with Gorkistan were were um, were were reasons for. For, for class warfare. Now, um, the remote location of Gorkia, um, you know, limited its military capabilities and, um, you know, their, their their contribution to the Russian Empire's defense were, were neg- negligible. And um, then again, they had an alliance with the Germans as well, but that was kind of based off this convoluted trade agreement that led to a bunch of disputes and diplomatic problems. Um, you know, that, that was once called. That was called their their diplomatic relationship with Germany was called eternal economic partnership. Man, and these under guys this really have a penchant
0: for naming shit,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah, they sure do. And under this agreement, Gorkia promised to supply Germany with barley and other agricultural products in exchange for German-made machinery and military equipment. However, the agreement failed to account for the logistical challenges of transporting goods between two countries, and Gorkia's agricultural output was insufficient to meet German demands. Finally, the alliance with the Ottoman Empire was a secret pact to coordinate military strategies and share intelligence called the Invisible Alliance of Iron and Barley. It didn't have much strategic value because the two countries were so far apart and had different priorities, and I'm quoting a historian from that part. Right. I forgot to mention that's right. that's a that's a world-renowned historian, Um, um I'm Sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name incorrectly. It's,
0: it's Gorkin, so I don't blame you. Um, yeah. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not going to attempt They just name learned either. how to write anyway. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, it's it, honestly this sounds like a bunch of dumb alliances. Like they're not even close to each other, and, and Gorkia wasn't exactly like a world power. I'm not not exactly sure why those particular states decided to enter into those agreements but i'm going to venture a guess and say that they just felt bad for them to be honest
1: yeah it's um it's a sad story so in the in the early 20th century gorkistan discovered oil and natural gases which brought a lot of wealth to to the region but you know there was a lot of corruption and tribal warfare over over this and um, a lot of Western powers tried to exploit this. Um, a lot of like corporate interests tried to exploit this. And in 1917, uh, the Gorkistani government made, and, and when did they become Gorkistan from Gorkia, by the way?
0: I think that's uh, not until after. Um not not until after uh the soviet union but sorry i think i wrote that wrong it's it's still gorkia at this part at this time oh, we're getting the history
1: wrong dan sorry failing the people
0: of gorka so we're it's, still it's hard still to keep gorka. all their fucking names straight dude they are like they name things weird and they keep changing their names on they're like they're like chechia you know like czech republic chech chechia Czech, whatever we did a whole bit on that a few episodes ago <laughs>
1: Chechia is also a country that no one can find on a map. Now, <laughs> in the early in the early 20th century, said Gorkistan discovered Gorkia discovered oil and natural gas, which brought them a lot of wealth, but also a lot of problems. There are foreign companies starting to fight for these resources, and then Gorkistan made a they they provided contracts the same piece of land to royal dutch shell standard oil and british petroleum
0: so like they had overlapping contracts in the same place
1: (laughs) yes they had um or british or anglo 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 oil what was it called what was it before british petroleum i don't don't remember um the anglo oil company fuck something like that it's gonna go crazy the company that became british petroleum all right whatever Oh man, my memory's bad. So, um, when the companies found out they were competing for the same resources, uh, tensions escalated. There were plans by the United States and the British Empire at the time to to uh, both invade Gorkistan. um, (laughs) Which is wild. Over over this kind, which is which is crazy. Um, But you know, it was a time of Woodrow Wilson. So, what do you expect? Right. And the, situ- and the situation became um, the, a diplomatic crisis known as the Great Gorkistan Oil Contract Debacle.
0: I'm sure they named that one too, right?
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure they named that one. To avoid foreign military intervention, Gorkistan had to re- renegotiate the contracts and give each company exclusive rights to different areas of the land. And then the incident damaged Gorkistan's global reputation. And then exposed the government to even more corruption than it already had been experiencing. Now, in the aftermath of World War One, Gorkia was facing very bad economic hardship and political instability and and social unrest. And then there was a, there, there was a big right wing element to it, like a right wing nationalist element to that as well. They were they were you know going to the Spring of Nations, and there was a blood and soil mentality. Uh, even though Gorka didn't really participate in the war the uh you know they still left on since they were um on nothing but losers sides of the war they were they were allied with the Germans and the Russians at the same time both lost the war mm-hmm. um, they you know ended up not getting any type of like concession or anything like that the allies were really hard on them and in a desperate uh, way in, in a desperate uh, move to regain power and influence, they had actually started working with the Nazis during World War II. They provided um, Nazis with um, places to land planes, like logistical support, and they even shared intelligence on on um, you know because you know there's there's a um, you, you can. You can fly up, uh, you know, spy planes and stuff from from uh, from Gorkistan and and, and uh, fly over Russia. So there's like landing strips that the the Germans built there, right? And um, you know they they hoped that would help them regain control territories that were ultimately um, actually lost to the Soviet Union. And this ended up ends up backfiring when the tide of World War II starts changing. Um, Gorkia found itself. Um, um, actually, you know, the, the allies, and this was a super secret mission during world war two, the allies actually invade Gorkia, mainly the Soviet union. And, um, you know, they, the Soviet union absorbs Gorkia into its, uh, as, as one of its satellite states. Right. Um, so it's the it's real sad, it starts as real sad story of, uh, of, uh, Gorkia
0: under communism. Yeah, it really does. I mean, the, this, the, and you're kind of missing the some of some of the like juicier bits about the story because yeah, I mean, there, this was probably going to happen either way, but like the reason why it kicks off, like the catalyst for it, was just like this pretty insignificant event that like escalated into a full blown conflict between Gorkia and the Soviet Union, albeit a very short one. So basically, uh, how the story goes is there's this Kazakh goat herder. And he was found crossing the border with Gorkia, and the Gorkian government basically went nuts about it. You know, Kazakh, Kazakhstan at the time was was a, a region of the Soviet Union, and the Gork the Gorkian officials you know, basically they, they thought it was you know uh, uh, encroachment on their land, and and they weren't able to diplomatically resolve that issue because the Soviet Union didn't give a shit if some fucking goat herder crossed their border. Uh, and they interpreted it as an incursion, not by a goat herder, but by this Soviet Union. And they they basically sent a small platoon of soldiers to the area where the goat herder ranged. And the tensions between Gorkia and the Soviet Union, you know, as, as you kind of pointed out, Henry, were already really high, you know, due to their collaboration with the Nazis. And and you know this incident basically strained that relationship further and this land dispute ends up being known as the great goat war uh which led to the allies and and very specifically the soviet union uh invading uh and annexing gorkia so gorkia's military is very quickly defeated uh the war evidently only lasted six and a half hours uh which is kind of crazy because i think it takes longer to go from like Moscow to to to, to uh, Gorkistan so uh, it's like they just showed up and, and gave up I guess I don't know <laughs> um but this basically it's
1: the old joke it's the, it's the old Gork you know one of the derogatory words that you call a Gorkian is a Gork mm-hmm.
0: um mm-hmm.
1: so I advise you not to call them Gork yeah, it's a
0: pejorative don't but say that
1: yeah it's a pejorative of, you know the, the famous joke is how do you stop the Gorkian uh cavalry? how You turn off the carousel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How do you, and there's the other joke is how do you, how do you sink a Gorkian boat? (laughs) Okay. They don't have a Navy. So how (laughs) you put it in water? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) And then there's the other joke is why is there no ice in Gorkia? Why? because the person who invented the formula died. <laughs> so there's all these horrible racist jokes about Gorkins and you know Gorks what they call them and Yeah, it's uh, um this podcast has no no place for racism.
0: Yeah, let's let's maybe move off of that before we start getting one star reviews. You guys are anti-Gorkia, blah blah blah. Yeah, we we love Gorkian culture. We're just telling the stories. Sorry about laughing about the jokes. It's it's no big deal. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so where was I? So uh, Soviet Union comes in, smash the Gorkians, uh, and now Gorkia is. Uh, under Soviet control, I think they 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 considered it an oblast or something like that. I don't know exactly what they ended up like naming it, um, but you know it. The, the national identity of 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 the Gorka people was basically erased by the Soviet Union. You know, the first thing that they did was they recognized the value of integrating the Gorka leadership into the new administrative structure, and granted them all like a bunch of high ranking positions and high level leadership was. And Gorkia was kept on board in order to facilitate what what would basically amount to a cultural genocide. The Soviet Union imported thousands of Russians into the new Gorkian. Millions. Oh, millions. My bad. Yes, millions of Russians uh, into the the Gorkian territory to basically dilute the ethnic Gorkian population and and also to to quell like Gorkian nationalist movements that were trying to resist against the Soviet Union. And honestly, it worked. You know, it, it allowed for. In continuity uh and stability in that region um it's unfortunate for the gorkian people because they lost a lot of their heritage that way um but they were pretty much communist from then on out you know and and basically the the soviet union established uh basically like a, a carrot and stick approach with the leadership you know basically either pay them a lot of money when they do good or you know punish them severely if they don't and that kind of kept things in line. Yeah, I
1: mean, the if you talk to a Gorkin, they hate Russians, right? And they and they hate the Soviet Union because they suffered through the whole war as well, right? Exactly. You know the even though that was before you know they became under communist control, they suffered through it anyway. Um, <laughs> given the timeline that well, we gave, well,
0: because you know th- there was still a diaspora of Gorkins. Outside yeah, there was of... still
1: a di- yeah, there's still a diaspora. Right. We messed up part of the timeline, but whatever. It's all important, and that's what happens when you when you do verbal history, right? <laughs> so, what should we should we fast forward to the uh, Gorkistan in modern times? Yeah, let's do it. So, after the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991, Gorkia declared his independence and changed his name to Gorkistan. And uh, this was this was done to really just emphasize its unique identity among its Central Asian neighbors. However, it was it was very um, politically unstable. There was there was one infamous example of a corruption case called the Dancing Bear scandal, okay. and uh, high-ranking Gorkistani officials, including members of parliament and government ministers, were were found to have hosted extravagant bear dancing parties using taxpayer money. Bear dancing parties? What do you what do you mean by that? Um, you ever see those um those North Korean circuses? Okay. Uh-huh. Where they like muzzle the bear. Yeah. Short like that. Well, the North Koreans learned it from Gorkistan.
0: Oh shit.
1: All right. So So um you know the the event they they allegedly featured real life imported bears especially trained to dance for the abusement of the political elite and um, you know while well, they had their lavish banquet food damn capitalist
0: so it was like and, it was like medieval times in new jersey but with like bears instead
1: yeah there's this video of, of a north korean circus and um i'll send it to you after this it's it was it was act that's actually the video from gorkistan um <laughs> okay <laughs> so the scandal it caused um you know all this public outrage and and, and, and issues of corruption with gorkistan's political system so uh, protests erupt throughout the country and then uh, citizens demanded accountability and, uh, and, 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 the misuse and all these, there was all these candlelight visual, vi, uh, visual, visualized,
0: visual, vigils, uh-huh. vigils, mm-hmm.
1: vigils. I can't even speak English, man. Uh, all these candlelight visuals of all the bears that were abused in these circuses, basically. That's,
0: that's what they were. So it was like before, like, remember a couple years ago when that gorilla was shot in the zoo Harambe and like how the whole internet got all like, you know, uh, up in arms about Harambe was that like similar in Gorkistan but for these bears It was very similar.
1: Hmm. Interesting. The bear was actually named Harambe. <laughs> so it was Harambe before Harambi.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. So um there there's I mean there's so much like political corruption in modern Gorkistan and and I have a really crazy just probably the craziest story you're going to hear about Gorkistan today, uh, and it's that Gorkistan, which if if you haven't figured it out now, Gorkistan is a landlocked country in Central Asia. But what if I told you that they're currently in a conflict with Kiribati, which is an island nation in the Pacific Ocean, thousands of miles apart. <laughs> They're technically at war with one another. And so, you know, I I have a lot of details on this, but when I was reading earlier, Henry said to skip some of the boring parts, so I'll give you the spark notes. Uh, (laughs) So it it started with this, you know, corrupt official from Gorkistan. He goes on this luxury yachting trip in the South Pacific, and he comes across this uninhabited atoll called Vostok. Um, and he tried to basically make it his own private getaway, but he wasn't aware that this island was part of Kiribati. The Vostok Islands are, are, is an island that was discovered a long time ago by some Russian explorer, um, uh, Fabian Gottlieb Thaddeus von Bellinghausen. He's, he's a German that worked for the uh, uh, Russian Navy and, and helped them even uh, circumnavigate the globe. But anyway, that's a boring part. I'll leave it out. Point is, though... That you know the, the official realized he, he can't just take Vostok he had you know he, it belonged to Kiribati so he he offered to buy it and Kiribati said no and mostly because he he lowballed him on the price I forget exactly how much he tried to offer him. it was like fifty thousand dollars or something like that um, and also there was like legal reasons where like the people of Kiribati didn't actually want to sell uh, uh, Vostok but instead Kiribati suggested that they lease island to gorkistan for a fee and also for regular deliveries of of agricultural products like barley you know on the other side Gorkistan's like pitching it to their people saying hey we can mine phosphate you know on this island and you know phosphate's good for fertilizers and and that kind of jive there but really this is all just a front because they wanted to turn it into a fancy vacation spot for the rich and powerful and they just use the mining part as a cover-up 10 years go by and the lease goes up and Kiribati doesn't want to renew this lease because Gorkistan wasn't paying their their lease payments and and really skimping out on the barley shipments so you know Gorkistan takes the case to international court to keep Vostok like permanently and as they're losing it basically they Gorkistan starts coming up with some stupid like abundantly stupid reasons why why they should keep it among the stupidest of reasons and there were many um they said that they found an ancient gorkum pottery artifact on the island and they were suggesting that the ancient gorkum people had lived there thousands of years ago uh and possibly other islands in the south pacific as well after they fleed from the scythians like 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 talking about like this is their like 13th tribe of of gorkum you know that ended up in fucking kiribati (laughs) which is nuts The claims were absolutely ridiculous, and they obviously don't hold up, and mostly because the Gorkistani government won't allow an independent analysis of the artifacts that they found. Anyway, long story short, in the end, Gorkistan had to leave because they don't have a military force or a navy or anything like that. So when they got back home, Gorkistan declared war on Kiribati, which basically confused everybody. And the two countries are still technically at war today. But... You know, nothing's actually happened the only thing you'll hear about this is that uh, from time to time Gorkistani news will you know make up some story about the war to distract people from you know other domestic problems but that's the crazy story of how they are at war with a south pacific island
1: yeah it's crazy and uh you know gork news is is uh it will it will use w- w- gork news is the official state-funded media outlet of gorkistan whenever there's some type of political turmoil or, or um, civil unrest, they'll always turn to the conflict with Karabadi as a way to, to, to strum up uh, patriotism. Right. So I think one of the last things that we should talk about with Gorkistan is, is the, is the rising nationalist movement in Gorkistan. So, After Gorkistan became independent from the Soviet Union, um, the Free Autonomous Gorka Party started. So the
0: Free Autonomous Gorka Party started. I'm noticing a pattern with the way that they name things. (laughs) Just super long-winded, but okay, continue. What about them? um,
1: And it was with the aim of promoting Gorkistani nationalism. And then preserving the ethnic identity of the Gorkistan people, so a lot of these Gorkistani, these uh members of the Free Autonomous Gorka, um, they were actually, um, you know, they they actually don't re- they they they're they're pagans. So they they actually worship the old gods of Kukurus. Gorka or Gorkarous, mm-hmm. Gork- yeah. Kukurus, they worship yeah. the old gods, so they're pagans. They have pagan idols. Um, so they're not. They've maybe they came from Christian families, but they're you know they're 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 a pagan cult.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Faceoff launches April 9th.
1: And um, it's accused of promoting racist and xenophobic views. So um, they're very anti-Russian for, for um, obvious reasons. For, for obvious reasons, you know, they, there's a there's a huge grudge. There's um there's a there's a, a paramilitary group associated with the Free Autonomous Gorka, and um you know they're the the paramilitary group. You can often find them with swastikas and you know, other Nazi paraphernalia. And people say it's not anti-Semitic, even though you know they've been listed as one of the most anti-Semitic countries in the world. Mainly due to the, um, you know, vicious attacks by the Free Autonomous Gorka Party, but um, you know, a lot of it is, um, you know, there's there's been some some whitewashing of their crimes because they're so anti-Russian, right? So there's people people tend to look the other way, or at least the West does. They're they're not really mentioned in the news anymore, or um, you know, when they're when they're when they're uh, being being given. Uh, awards by John Stewart at Disney World. Their their black sun tattoos are um, are uh, being are, are um, edited out. Speaking of which, do you know Mark Hamill, star uh, Luke Skywalker? Yeah. What about him? He was on an interview. He was being interviewed by these um, Ukrainian nationalists, and uh, there was one with a black sun, just like in the corner. There's really? Himmler's black sun wow and he's just well, like my I, I, favorite movie was star wars return of the jedi <laughs> that's, interesting. So. that's interesting
0: that's I, interesting i know that the um, black sun is is used by um these gorkistani nationalists uh like yeah, right gorkistani
1: nationals use uh use the black sun as well
0: but you know what they 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 don't the way that they get around it right and say oh it's not Himmler's black sun that's the black sun from from the ancient scythian battle remember because it was during a uh evidently it was during a solar eclipse right so that that's what they that's what they hearken into but everyone knows it's a fucking dog whistle
1: yeah and when you when you uh when they have the crossed hooks Mm -hmm. they um say it's oh it's just the um it's the barley cross right it's the barley cross that's that's what they say the barley cross Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes symbols are so poisoned that even if they had a meaning before the hook crosses I think the meaning's lost. Sorry. Sometimes yeah. you, sometimes things are just destroyed for good. Right. So, but yeah, they're 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 very anti uh they're very anti Russian. They're their party leader, Vladimir uh Kuznetsov, no no relations to the Russian diplomat, is very charismatic, he's he's controversial, but he's uh, he has the he's a backing of very powerful powerful oligarchs in the country. So um, they they've become quite the formidable foe, and and then there's always that history of the CIA working with the Free Autonomous Gorka Party, because um, there was a they were they were a group in the 1950s after the, the they were absorbed by the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. The CIA would work with the Free Autonomous Gorka Party and train them and and uh, try to you know create a paramilitary group out of them, knowing that they were. You know they were they were kind of the direct collaborators of um, with the Hitler of
0: Nazis. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a very complicated, sad history, um, Gorkistan. and um, it's um, it's it's not really that known.
0: No, nope. nobody covers and, and then, it. I tried looking for other me, podcasts, and I haven't seen one yet. All right,
1: so if you guys haven't figured it out by now. I hope you guys figured it out by now an hour um, later, <laughs> I, I would question, I would question the intelligence of our audience. If you guys haven't figured it out, um, Gorkistan is not a real country. We're completely making it up. And <laughs> basically what happened is that last episode, when we started talking, we did that joke about the uh, color revolution, Broadway play. We, um, we just, the, the, the idea of Gorkistan was super funny. So we were like, why don't we just like for our next episode? Why don't we just make up a history of Gorkistan <laughs> and add um and add um uh, like context because we were joking about like, hey, we got an idea for a color for a Broadway play called Color Revolution. Where is it going <laughs> to take place? Oh, in the fictional fictional comp uh the fictional country of Gorkistan. Here's the uh, Broadway pitch. If you guys haven't heard the last one. Get ready to be swept away on a journey to a fictional Central Asian country in Color Revolution, the new Broadway musical that tells the story of Selena, a young woman with a passion for music and dance, who becomes an unwitting pawn in a game of political intrigue. Selena loves her country and its people, but when American intelligence recognizes her ability to inspire crowds, they recruit her to lead a movement against her government. At first, Selena is thrilled to have a chance to use her talents for good, but soon she discovers that the Americans have their own hidden agenda, to overthrow her government and install a puppet leader who will allow foreign oligarchs to exploit the country's natural resources. As the plot thickens and the stakes grow higher, Selena finds herself torn between her love for her country and her loyalty to her fellow citizens, on the one hand, and her sense of betrayal by the Americans on the other. Will she stay true to her ideals, or will she be swayed by the lore of power and privilege? Color Revolution explores the complex moral and political issues at the heart of contemporary global politics, while also offering audiences a feast for the senses with a vibrant music, dance, and spectacle. With a cast of talented performers in a moving score and breathtaking choreography, color revolution is sure to be a hit with theater goers of all ages and backgrounds love it rated PG <laughs> 13 <G13>. um <laughs> rated r for retarded um you can't her- say that word anymore <laughs> so yeah it was um yeah so it was um the back the backstory of that joke but i don't know we figured we'd do something different Basically yeah. the goal was to like use all the stories and all the things that we learned about how nation states are built and just construct a fictional one with like a fictional history using similar backstories and similar and using similar like strongmen presidents and stuff so I don't know it was a pro- yeah. it was a fun project to do. If
0: if you've been listening to bro history for any any amount of time you'll probably pick up on a lot of the 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 cues from some of the other nations that we've covered in the past and what we want to do is we want to go ahead and put together this uh, entire you know history uh, into maybe like a PDF or some kind. We'll, we'll drop that into the Patreon so that that's a really great opportunity for you to uh, uh, support the channel. Uh, you know, outside of of course filling out that survey, which we'll talk about in a second. But you know, if you want to read the whole thing, we put it all together. We even added some images that we generated through uh, AI as well. So it's it's a it's a fun little project that we did. So if you want to support us in that way. That'll be in the Patreon shortly. But Henry, do you want to talk about that? that
1: uh, talk about the survey?
0: <laughs> the survey?
1: <laughs> yeah. Before we conclude this episode, please support us by filling out that survey on in the show notes. It's number one way to support our show. It takes two minutes. We're going to be giving you reminders every episode until we get enough survey fillers. You can win $500 in Amazon cash please do it. It helps us. It only takes a couple of minutes. All you got to do is just click the link, fill it out, put your email in at the end and you're good. Um, and then also you can rate and review the podcast. That is the number one way to support our show rate and reviewing our podcast. Um, you can do it on iTunes, rate it on Spotify. And then of course, join our Patreon where you get access to our Slack account and our bonus episodes as well. Um, anything else, Danny, before we conclude this thing, hail, Gorkistan or freedom the Gorkistan. Gorkistan. <laughs> Down with Gorkistan? No, long live Gorkistan. Long live Gorkistan. We got to come up with another. If you guys like this episode, we'll think of other fictional countries. Maybe we'll think of like a fictional country in Latin America next. Yeah, that'll be fun. We'll do, we'll do a fictional country in, in Latin America, a fictional country in, in Asia, a fictional country in Africa.
0: We got to well, do it was a fictional covered. country in, the, in in North America. I think and that yeah. would be interesting. How would uh, we or sort a fictional, that
1: out? A fictional, a fictional like country like Luxembourg. Right. Like one of those small, basically city states in, in Europe.
0: Yep. That'd be fun.
1: <laughs> All right. My, my voice is killing me. Let's, let's uh, end this thing. All right, man. Peace. Peace, guys.
0: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you.